It's like a baby's arm holding an apple. Uh, it's a big old thumb on the side of a wine bottle. <laughs> Start the game already! What are you drinking? Um, I, um, I, I have a, a bottle of, of, of boo is Cabernet Sauvignon. Let's uh, let, let's see how it tastes. What do you got? Very nice. Uh, so funny story. I've I've been away from home for almost two weeks, and we had our daughter here watching the pets, and she's going through the middle of a, like a a testing regime, I guess for for dietary sensitivities. Um, she's been having some issues for a while and, and she's finally, her doctors got her to the point where she's scale back everything, no gluten, no everything, like no garlic even, right? Like it's just a whole bunch of stuff. Wow. We'll see how that goes. And then they're going to add stuff back. And she was watching the, the dog and keeping an eye on the cats for us while we were gone. So we didn't have anything in the house. I didn't do any grocery shopping before we got back or before we left rather. And I haven't done any shopping since I got back. And I realized about 10 minutes ago, I've got like nothing to drink. So I start running around the house and I've got about a finger and a half of vodka and some Dr. Pepper. Better than nothing. I was going to go for Black Russians, but like I literally have a, a lick of Kahlua left. Oh man, I hate when Disney takes down the things that I don't. Uh... I was watching this this um, melodic techno thing called Mad Mickey, and I'm surprised it was on as long as it was, because uh, the um, the image that that's on while they're playing music is the mouse mm -hmm. um did it last more than 15 minutes yeah it was up for a few weeks it appears to be down now so it is what it is just background don't, music don't fuck me. with the mouse nope. nope so it's good to be back home um just so everybody knows what the hell i'm talking about uh, my wife and I went down to Illinois from Canada. Uh, our daughter and granddaughter live there. Are you sure it's pronounced Illinois? Illinois, Illinois. <laughs> and I've come to the conclusion, um, and, and this is going to be very Canadian of me, but it isn't that I don't like America. It's that it doesn't agree with me, and I don't. I'm not talking about opinions. I mean, like a physical reaction. The water now, the the town that they live in, the water is notoriously bad. I think it's like eight percent arsenic by volume or something ridiculous. Okay, so yeah. 100 percent poison then. Basically, um, in the houses they have like filters and softeners and all of that kind of shiz. And the hotel that we were staying in. Probably didn't have as much of it. Like it was a nice enough hotel, but 
we had our granddaughter over as a sleepover uh, one night at the hotel and gave her a bath. And like, it very much looked like we filled the bathtub with pee. Wasn't the, uh, she peed in the tub. She wasn't in the tub yet. Oh, <laughs> uh, but me, you know, showering like at least once a day, sometimes twice a day, and by the third day, I start breaking out in hives. I've still got like rash on the side of my face and all busted up here. It's one of the reasons why I haven't shaved yet. Is I just don't want to deal with that discomfort. The food uh, wasn't agreeing with me. It was like a week and change with not having even a decent cup of coffee. Wow. Like most of the coffee that I had down there or tried to have was just mostly offensive, right? Wow. We tried one cup on the way back, went through a drive-thru. McCafe, like I like McDonald's coffee here. It's good. Yeah. And it was like they didn't didn't know how to make a coffee. Like it was... When you go through drive-through, often it's, "Hey, can you pull around? We're we're making this thing, hash browns or whatever it is. We'll bring it out to you. Here's your drinks." Right. They gave us all the food, and said, uh, "It's going to be a bit on your coffee." We waited like 15 minutes, and I'm pretty sure that what they brought out was, at the very least, a war crime. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I, I took one sip of it, and I'm like, wow, this is the worst coffee I've had here by a mile. And and I had Tanya take a sip of it, and she pretty much died on the spot. <laughs> this is the internet, so it is the place for hyperbole. This isn't, this wasn't hyperbole, though. It was like, I, I needed to put a hazmat suit on to dispose of this shit. <laughs> I don't think that you can judge the entirety of the United States by one small no. town in Illinois. No. Now, to be fair, I mean, I've been around a lot in the U.S. over the years, and it's never been a great experience for me, like mm -hmm. biochemically. Oh, yeah. You know, sometimes the people are great. Sometimes they're, they're asses. Sometimes, you know, the experience is generally fine. They're in a pretty conservative part of Illinois. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I won't really get into that, but there were some some funny things that happened around that. But uh, like <sighs> chemistry, man, like the chemistry just didn't agree with me. Like it, my face still hurts. Well, I guess I, you're a little bit like a mushroom. You just can't be transplanted elsewhere. Apparently, you grow where you grow, where you grow and that's what you got. And that's where you're at. Needless to say, it's good to be home. Yeah, it's nice to go away, but it's always nice to come home. I've I've found that. I when I was a kid, I used to think to myself, you know what? If I ever won the lottery, I'd go traveling all over the world, and I go here and I go there, and I want to see this and I want to see that. And now, you know what? I got a big TV that is more. Uh, well, let's just say that my TV has more resolution than my eyes do. So, I, I can just like I'll just put on a travelogue or something, or you know, like here's uh, here's somebody else traveling through wherever on a blog or whatever and i'll look at pictures i don't have to deal with like okay what do the toilets look like here because you know like I'm, I'm sure that every single individual culture that has a different kind of toilet than we do it's perfectly fine it's just uncomfortable because it's different right 
Um, one of the things that I've, I've found amusing about that is that there's, there's this argument that's happening on one of the subreddits that I frequent uh, about how you're supposed to install public toilets. Right. And like, here's a shot of an American public toilet and there's a gap of like an inch between the door and the, and the wall. And it's like, here's a, a picture of one in Europe and it's got a door. <laughs> like you're literally in your own little room. Different strokes for different folks, right? Yeah. Anyway, it's nice to travel sometimes. I don't really like it anymore, but it's nice to come home. It really is. I think we've decided that like five days is our sweet spot. Yep. You know, we, we try to do things for a week or, or more. In the case of going and visiting family, we were nine days. It's a lot. Yeah. And e even visiting like the granddaughter, like, I mean, we could, you know, spend every day with her and it wouldn't be enough. But for her, like, I think the novelty of having us there wore off by about the fifth day. Yeah. And now it's like, you're interfering with my schedule. Go away. Come back next year. Yeah. She literally said that to us once. Go get in your car. And go home. You can go now. Yeah. She was referring to just us taking off to the hotel, but it was funny. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it, it would be nice if, um, like, The Invention of Lying. Have you ever seen that movie with uh, Ricky Gervais? I don't he, think I've seen it. I want to say I think I've seen Tanya watching it and maybe worth, caught a snippet or two of it, but I don't think watching. I've actually seen it. Um, one of the things about it, I mean, it's a comedy and it is ridiculously funny and there's a bunch of stuff in there that's very crude and that's fine. Um, but one of the things about it that, that always struck me was just like, how free would it be to just be completely honest all of the time? Mm -hmm. Right. I'm tired of you. You can go home now. Right. And because it, it's the norm, it's, it's not offensive anymore. It's just, this is just, this is just the truth. Yeah, I'm not sure that, like, it not being offensive goes hand in hand with everybody just being honest. I think that would devolve very quickly into, I'm tired of you, go home, fuck you, you're a dick. Yeah, and that's fine. But everybody knows now, and we don't have to to make for the first for the first like if it if it was a switch if it was like mm. we went from what we are now to everyone's completely honest it would be very very jarring mm -hmm. but if it was just the way it was then you wouldn't have to well slap my knees and stand up and uh hope you get the hint it could just be it's time for you to go home yeah. and there have been cultures that i mean everything gets lost and, and and blurred through the lens of history but there have been cultures where truthfulness was valued like above anything like even the little white lies the nice lies that you tell people to make them feel better were frowned upon my understanding is like the Achaemenid Persian Empire was like that hmm. you know from the time of Cyrus the Great right on through till basically the end of it yeah Anyway, that's probably too deep for us. We've, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've, we've lost our entire audience now. All 12 people have signed off at this point. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did have something that I wanted to talk about today. Because, right. again, it was one of those things where it's like, hey, we should record. Do you have anything you want to talk about? Nah, we'll figure something out. So I threw some notes in. 
Um, are you have you been watching season two of Loki yet? Um, yeah, I don't know if we're exactly caught up. I don't I, we, I know we haven't watched this week's. OK. You've seen enough that you can probably. Yeah. This conversation like isn't about Loki specifically, and I want to start off by saying I'm really, really enjoying the second season. But the parts of the second season that I'm really not liking are the the Marvel parts. <laughs> so it, with with broad strokes, we can call this topic like cinematic universe fatigue. Uh, the question I said is, did the Avengers ruin everything? And I'm not really talking just about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I mean, it's sort of shaped the industry and now everything's oh, yeah. trying to do that. Everything's got to be a cinematic universe and everything's got to be related to everything else. And I'm exhausted. You know, yes. talking about Loki season two specifically, like mechanically speaking, making that show, it's brilliant. And it's such a stark contrast to having watched um, the Nick Fury show. Uh, yeah. Secret Invasion, where it was just mechanically horrible in addition to just being terrible across the board. Like, I disagree. This is executed visually well, like the, the everything from the cinematography to set design and, and, and costume and everything has purpose and it, it has its own unique thing. Like, it's, you know, it's like... An, filmmakers and artists actually made the show and it's exploring narratives that i find interesting like the the idea of predetermination versus free will and and a lot of that stuff is interesting it's where it's trying to tie it into the rest of the cinematic universe the kang shit specifically i just don't give a shit yeah <laughs> i i really don't and and I don't want to chalk it up to any one particular thing. Um, in general, it's just the, the two things that jump out to me is everything is so complicated now. And I'm a nerd. I like a little complexity. I like the theory crafting. But now to to understand what's going on in this universe, you've got to watch nine shows, 14 movies, and if you miss something, you're probably missing something important. Ah, uh, okay. So I would like to come at this from a slightly different angle. Um, specifically because, like, a lot of the things that you're pointing out, I completely missed. And I still shot, thought the show was great. Um, I'm enjoying mm -hmm. Loki mostly because of... Uh, well, there's, there's... I mean, Owen Wilson is brilliant. Uh, mm -hmm. as always uh what what's the who's the actor who plays loki uh tom hiddleston tom hiddleston because i mean he's just have you watched uh was it the night night watchman the nightman i can't remember what it was called but he basically he started off as as like the night auditor at a hotel and uh house uh whatever his name is hugh laurie Hugh Laurie is like this evil bad guy who's a, an arms dealer, right? And he, and he does something terrible. So Tom Hiddleston has to get involved and he like sort of like infiltrates his organization to bring him down for the, for MI6 or whatever. Um, and he's a completely different character in that and he absolutely nails it. So uh, like I enjoyed Tom Hiddleston as Loki in the movies. 
and then I saw him in that, and I forget what it's called. I'll I'll look it up on the break. Um, and then like watching him in this and the character growth of the character Loki also really in, uh, is interesting to me. Mm-hmm. But I think that you could watch this show, and like there be there'd be all kinds of things that are tie-ins to other parts of the mm-hmm. cinematic universe. But if you didn't know that they were tie-ins, you just go oh, okay. Like I recognize that that's a tie-in to something, but mm-hmm. I don't care. But I, but I agree with you in that this show, Loki, you can do that with. But yes. this show is setting the bar. The vast majority of the rest of the content falls very short of what Loki's doing. So Loki is the show that I can enjoy in spite of all of the other bullshit. With the other shows, it's mostly just the other bullshit. There isn't enough meat. Like they, They've just stopped trying to tell a unique story with a show or a movie. It's it's a fragmented piece of a bigger story only in a lot of cases. Loki has its own thing going on that is very much Loki, and it's actually exploring themes and stuff that, like, there, there's enough there. Like, I, I agree with you. You can watch Loki and not see the rest of the stuff, and I think really like it. Because the rest of it is done so well. But that is in stark contrast to Secret Invasion, uh, stark contrast to the Falcon and the Winter Soldier movie. Uh, WandaVision, for the like all but the last two episodes, was great in the way that Loki's great, where it's like, we have a vision for what this is going to be, no pun intended. We're going to try something very, very different. We're going to take some risks. We're, we have an artistic vision in addition to like, a narrative vision and, and, you know, the piece of the Marvel puzzle. And we're going to do that. And where the show fell apart was in the last episode where it's like, okay, now we need to make this fit into the rest of the Marvel shit. People are going to punch each other. Maybe there's going to be a sky beam. It's it's it, now all of the, the, the stuff that made it unique falls by the wayside. And it just, it's a slog. This doesn't yeah. just apply to Marvel. Like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm picking on Marvel because I've been watching Loki. But you look at the way the new Star Wars stuff has been coming out. And I'm really I'm a really big fan, speaking of Star Wars, of the way that they've handled the Ashoka storyline. Right. Like that. I, and again, I'm not quite caught up. I'm, I think I'm a week, week or two behind. Um, or may, is there only eight episodes, seven episodes? Uh, eight? I forget what the final episode count was. It was either six or eight. Okay, well, I may have watched all of it then. Um, where it was just, it was a, a, like, first of all, Rosario Dawson is brilliant, you know, so I'm pretty sure they could just, like, put makeup on and say, all right, swing a lightsaber around and say some stuff, and it would still come out okay. Um, but the rest of it was was good, where they, they didn't feel the need to explain everything. Not everything was linked up. Um, Thrawn was understated enough that you you got the impression like okay he's you know evil but he's not foaming at the mouth and that's refreshing he's mm-hmm. not the emperor even more refreshing uh like there was some stuff in there it's like oh okay this ties into uh like one of the cartoons that ties into something i haven't seen that ties into movies that i have seen but there's there's references that I know are references to things that I have missed. There's references to some of the expanded universe stuff that's been thrown by the wayside that like I got because I've read far too many Star Wars books. But it was just a good show, right? And I think I think 
like the the cinematic universe is not the problem. I think the problem is the uh, the ridiculous adherence that that people like. I I would really enjoy, honestly, an unreliable narrator approach to the cinematic universe, right? Which is what they did in the comic books, where it's like this week, you know, Spider Man has, you know, he's done this and done that and done the other thing, and then next week we have a story that's in theory the next in the series where he's completely forgotten all of that stuff and has remembered something completely different. And that's fine. Right. It's fine. Especially if like you go to, for example, you go to the, the Ant-Man and the Wasp and then you go to Falcon and the Winter Soldier and they do things and they, they reference the same event and they do it differently because they would have perceived it differently. And, and, and that's fine. And I think you need to, to really with the Marvel stuff specifically, talk pre and post Avengers Endgame, because I think the cinematic universe stuff that started with origin movies, right. Sort of came together for the first Avengers movie where they set up, Hey, yes, everybody's sort of teaming up now, this smaller group of Avengers, but we're already telegraphing that this is a piece of a bigger thing. And then you have these sort of, continuation of like the individual characters storylines and stuff like that that was fun yep that was the way to execute a cinematic universe absolutely everything after endgame though they they've been handling it completely differently and it's been i don't know man to each their own i'm not going to yuck anybody's yum but the contrast couldn't be more stark like it is It's terrible. <laughs> it really is. I see, and that's the thing. I don't think it is. I don't think it's terrible. I do. I do agree. Well, there well was, how much? There's a, there's a drop off in quality. I'll agree okay. that with that. How much post end game stuff have you watched? All of it. Like I've watched everything, with the exception I didn't finish Secret Wars because I will agree with Earth Secret Invasion because I will agree the concept was nice and I liked some of the. Oh, sorry, and I also haven't watched Ms. Marvel. Uh, about okay. the young girl in the high school, just because it's aimed at high school students and it really did not land with me. Did you watch um, Ant Man Quantum Mania? The stuff yes. that had Kang in it? Yes. Okay. And and I, I agree with you, it was a lower quality movie, but I still thought it was okay. I think okay. the problem yeah. I think the problem is not so much that quality has dropped off. I think it's that the stuff that came before Avengers and up to Avengers Endgame was so good that it raised our expectations to an unreasonable level. Because it was great. It was different. So the quality has dropped off then? The quality has dropped off, but it has dropped off from a very high bar. Like, for perspective, there were some things in the the pre-endgame stuff that I was not a huge fan of. The first two Thor movies, eh. They were a bit iffy. I liked now, them when they I came out. I wouldn't say they were bad. They were not bad, but I looked at them as like, okay, this is the 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 not great stuff. Ant-Man, the first Ant-Man movie was kind of my bar for like, hey, perfectly fine. Not great. More than adequate. Quite entertaining. It was a good time. I liked that movie. I liked that movie. I didn't love it. it I, I don't hold it to the same bar as Winter Soldier. I don't hold it to the same bar as Thor Ragnarok. 
Well, no, because Thor right? Ragnarok was was Thor Ragnarok was very definitely the best of the Thor movies. Oh yeah, C- completely different. They they wisely chose a new direction for that character. They realized, oh, Chris Chris Hemsworth can can be he can funny. Act. He can <laughs> act. It's great. Uh, I don't hold it to the same bar as even well, actually, all three of the Guardians of the Galaxy movie, but the first one specifically. Yeah, but like was there was special. there was those ones that were up here. Then there was most of everything else, not too far below it. And then there was the the Thor one and twos down here where it's like, yeah, it was fine. Hmm. Now there's nothing up here. Loki could be up there. Like it's sniffing up there for me. Except for all of the other stuff that it has to, you know, the obligatory tie-in stuff. There's almost nothing here now. And everything's down in this this Thor one and two area for me with the yeah. exception of the third guardians of the galaxy movie, which was didn't quite hit the highs of, of the first two, but was still pretty damn good. Like I, it's sad to say that the Christmas special for guardians of the galaxy has been better than pretty much anything else. Marvel's done post end game. It's the very best space based Christmas special that has been done since uh since the star <laughs> wars christmas special i don't know for did, sure did, like <laughs> did, did, did the original battlestar galactica do a christmas special or something like surely there's got to be another one out there i don't think so I, I think they probably looked at the one that star wars did and went like I, did did sequest do something uh, i'll take sequest yeah nope I can I can only imagine that the rest of them all watched the Star Wars holiday special and thought we don't have enough cocaine. We just yeah. don't have enough. Like what was Andromeda? What was the one that fucking Kevin Sorbo was in? Oh God. Like surely uh, they were nutty enough to do a Christmas special. Uh, they probably, did. I know that Star Trek has done a bunch of sort of um, not quite Christmas, you know, life festival uh, type things mm. over the years, but. Uh, All right. So then let me throw this back at you because we do seem to have some varying opinions here. You've hit the highs of Avengers Endgame. What would you have done to follow that up? I think that after Endgame, you have to you have to very much go either you have to do one of two things. You have to either try and fire a bigger laser into space, which is what most, most of them do, right? Because everything must get more extreme, even after it's gone to the pinnacle of as extreme as it can reasonably get. Um, or you, you break it down into smaller local stories. You do things like your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, right? One of the, the Spider-Man going at, like I, I, I've enjoyed all of the Spider-Man movies as ridiculous as they are. Um, but I mean, the appeal of Spider-Man in the comic books for me anyway, was like, he's not, he's not fighting, you know, planet devouring, you know, alien, uh, existential threats. He's, he's fighting like dudes who, who want to knock down a building mm-hmm. or two, right? It's, it's a local story. It's a story about people in the end. It's about family. Right. That's the kind of movie you have to make. You have to make movies that are just like you, you have to, you have to, you've gone to this peak. You have to come down the other side of the peak and start building up again. 
and take 15 years to get to Avengers 2, you know, the, the new squad, you know, when people have forgotten about the first movie a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and now we can just, you know, you have to, you have to start again at the beginning. X-Men, the next generation, basically with, with small local village, small stories that are about the people. Um, I don't know. I don't think that there's any way that you can build on the success of that, but they have to, right? Because the line has to go up. And that's, that's really the, the problem with like with most things is that, you know, the, uh, the profits have to get bigger and movies cost a billion dollars to make now. So they have to, they have to look like they cost a billion dollars and then they have to make $10 billion or a hundred billion or they're deemed a failure. I agree with going small. And, and I think they, they somehow took the wrong message from Avengers. And that's why I asked, did Avengers ruin everything? Because I'm thinking, like, the first Avengers movie was obviously huge, and it was like the first big team-up we saw. And immediately after that movie, between that and the ramp-up to sort of the, the endgame uh, stuff, my favorite content was probably the Netflix Daredevil series. Daredevil was good. Oh, I, I do have to say, you asked if I've seen, and I said I've seen all of it. I have not watched uh, all of Daredevil, all of Luke Cage. Iron Fist really kind of felt they, flat They don't me. even count. Like, they're not even um, canon. However, however, though, I did really enjoy the team-up that they did. Yeah. Iron Fist was terrible. Uh, the Which is sad, because Iron Fist yeah. is one of my favorite characters. Oh, and they just, they, they, they made some very, very bad decisions with the movie from casting, right? Yeah. You know, it was, it was I, horrible. I didn't, I didn't mind uh, the casting. They just, they turned him into a bit too much of a, like they didn't. Well, no, I, 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 I I'd say I don't, the casting, not so much because like visually is a bad choice or even the writing firm was a bad choice. He didn't put the effort in. And I don't know if there was some contractual shit, like they had to dumb down so much the shit that that character is known for like you know one of the best martial artists in the world and it's so like made for tv movie quality and i know it was netflix so i mean technically that's what it was but you compare it and contrast it with daredevil where it's like man these guys put in the work from stunts to choreography to the actors executing on that stuff like and I unfortunately, didn't... you're kind of putting them into the, the you know, you, you, you're swerving these guys into the same thing. So when that team up show happened and you, and you got Daredevil doing his thing beside Iron Fist, it's like, oh, my God, this guy's lame. I've heard I, stories I... that like Finn Jones, like refused to do any like practice choreography shit and just kind of like showed oh, wow. up. And so when they had like the, the, the female lead in that show, I forget what her character's name was like has a martial arts background and they literally had to like dumb her stuff down so that her character wasn't making the iron fist character look so bad in that show. 
I did not have any problems with the fight scenes or the choreography or any of, of his acting. My major problem with that show was that his character didn't develop on an arc. He developed like he was jumping up and down on a trampoline. Today, he's like, you know, mystical, mystical man who knows everything, who's, you know, like Mary Jane and I know what's going on and I'm running my company. And the next day he's like, I don't, I don't understand New York City. And, and what is, what is going on? I don't know. And then, you know, Mm -hmm. day three, once again, he knows everything and he does everything. It's like, okay, he's been away for a while or whatever. Start him off with, I'm a little bit confused about a few things and I'm a little bit weird because I go barefoot everywhere. And then develop somehow, right? I think I watched the whole first season and it was just like, this could have been so good. And I thought, like, he did fine. I thought he, he was okay. Um, but- so, so to take lessons then from, from the MCU, how do you feel? I know you've mentioned Ahsoka. How do you feel about the general direction for Star Wars? Where they're trying to do the same thing like Mando season one was probably some of the best Star Wars we've seen. It's some Mando of the most Star two. Wars that we've seen. Mando season two was mostly good. Have you watched season three yet? Because I know when we were talking about it last year, like there's a season three. I don't think we have. Um, we I, I know that we loaded it up and went, have we seen all of these? And I think we had. So we might have to like, I don't know, clear some caches or something. Okay. Uh, but I'll have to go and double check. You watched Book of Boba Fett? No, because oh. I did not enjoy it at all. No, I, have, I was. I have absolutely no interest in watching a fat guy wander through Moss Eisley and go, you should get them, and then go sit on his throne for a while. Right? Like, why are you even walking through town? You're basically, you're a crime boss. Go sit on your throne and send people out to do stuff and let us watch interesting people do stuff. And you can just be here and be a figurehead, which honest to goodness is what that character should be at that point, right? He's old now. He should be sitting down and and building up an empire of people to fight for him. But yeah, most of the other stuff I'm okay with. I I was okay with the movies. I didn't think they were great, but I didn't think they were terrible either. Mm Yeah, no, we don't have any new movies that are sort of working towards this future shit. Like, the movies were kind of their own thing, and they were separate from the the shows. Um, In Star Wars, we have this interesting contrast, because Book of Boba Fett, Mando Season 3 especially, um, Ahsoka, like, they're all working towards their Avengers team-up. And I think so far, Ahsoka is the only one that's done it passably well. Now, you said you've maybe seen it all. Maybe you haven't missed the end. I was disappointed by the end of Ahsoka. Hmm. Um, because everything was great, and then it just stopped. I, I've probably seen the last one then. The yeah. last one I watched was like the, the, the Jedi, the Witch, and the Warlord or something. Which is basically like... Um, yeah, because because what's I can't his remember face? if that was the last episode. Did I Ezra get so. away? Yes. Okay, then you've seen the last episode of Ezra. Yeah, like, yeah, he got away, but but Ahsoka and um, Sabine did not. Yes. Okay, so you've watched the Spoilers. last episode. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it basically just stopped because it's like, oh yeah, Kevin Feige's making a movie, and it's going to kind of pick up from here. 
So it didn't really tell a complete story. That's okay. You That's know? okay. I like one of the things like, I, we have, our expectations are too high, as I've said before, because I think like basically this is the, this is some, some background stuff for an, an introduction. This is the character introduction. So you can jump into the movie and then the movie is going to do like a very, if they do it right, the movie will do a very basic introduction. You know, here's blue screened Admiral Thrawn um, and something happens and then, Hey, Ahsoka shows up. And then season two of of Ahsoka is going to be how she gets off of Turtle Planet. That that would be my guess. Like if I was doing it, that's how I'd handle it. All anyway. right. So somewhat related to complicated cinematic universes that are falling apart at the seams. I want to talk about some table talk. Okay. Uh-oh. Hey, table talk. It's part of the show. I know I don't always say this spiel. I feel like I should. I'm talking about being professional here, and it's like, hey, each of these segments should have its own little intro rather than we start um. talking. Hey, we're going to talk about Dungeons and Dragons and, and table talk shit. You get the drill. There's the 12 of you that are listening. <laughs> My Tuesday game, as those of you that have been listening know, has been on hiatus for a little more than a month now. And we had a few sort of lean weeks where we had some players that were going to be away. So we were just doing some side adventure shit before the hiatus. So... We're going back to like July before we've really had any significant meat. And we're picking things back up Tuesday and I'm kind of doing my prep for that. I'm kind of excited. But this group has been playing like going strong since March 2022. I started and we've been basically with the exception of Christmas holidays and this hiatus almost every week. Um, some weeks where we've taken it off just due to, to players not being able to make it. But for the most part, this group has been like the the unicorn adult gaming group where everybody kind of shows up and, and is excited to be there every week and we get to play D&D. But so much has happened in, I mean, that's what, 18, 18 months? Um, call it a solid 20-ish year, months. Right? Like I was looking at it and it was like 70 sessions, you know, 73 ish hour sessions. A lot has happened. So I had an idea that I want to maybe run by you. First of all, you've had games go on hiatus and and pick up. Hmm. What do you guys do when you come back? Typically, well, it depends, right? Because in a group where you have someone who has been taking decent notes, I generally ask them to, you know, give us the story so far. Um, most of the groups that I've played with, there is nobody who's taking notes, so I give them the story so far. Um, and sometimes some of it is a surprise to the players who are coming back, which is okay, right? Um, but it, it just, it, it, you need to do a little bit of a, you know, when we laughed last, last left our heroes, you know, they were hanging over a cliff by their fingertips with the, 
you know, the horse of the bad guy running away. Uh, and then, you know, jump right in. Hope they catch up. Sometimes it works. Sometimes mm-hmm. it doesn't. In conversations with my group, I think I'm going to try something a little bit different. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be enough really to just be like, hey, here's where we left off. This was happening. Now, what do you want to do? Like, this is the post Avengers Endgame, or maybe this is like right after um, uh, the movie, right before it. We're going into Endgame. But we've we've taken this big break, so we need to have the previously on. Yes. Uh, but I think I, I asked my players to just make some point form notes about the things that have happened so far in the campaign that are important to their characters and how their characters feel about it. Um, the 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 big thing I really want to make sure that the players understand like coming into it after a break is here's where the characters are at. Here's what their goals are short-term and long-term so that, you know, everybody's not coming back and playing a single player game again. Mm-hmm. You know, not that they were doing that, but like it's easy to remember what's important to you as a character when you're a player, hard to remember what the rest of your team was up to and how they felt about things. Yes. Now, normally I would treat this like a, like a session 0.5 in the middle, right? Be like, Hey, as players, let's talk about this before we start getting into character. But we left off in the middle of some, some side session stuff, just cause we had some, some players that couldn't make the last few sessions. And we did some offline role-playing in discord at almost a mechanically perfect in character moment. Some setup. My characters have been kind of whisked away into this Feywild, um, and to a certain extent, the Shadowfell. There's a little bit of back and forth now because things are, it's a convergence happening. And in doing this, they've all picked up, we'll call them patrons. They're not warlocks. Well, not, not all of them are warlocks. <laughs> so it isn't, it isn't that type of patron relationship but they've they've all found something that they're championing and these are these are other people or other entities or gods or whatever one of them who was the last one to get her champion or her patron is championing uh the raven queen okay now the raven queen uh, i'm 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 twisting the character a little bit like it isn't the 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 lore raven queen but as players, they know about the Raven Queen. I mean, the Critical Role did it in some of their campaign stuff with Vox Machina. And, um, so they understand the Raven Queen, and I'm trying to put a spin on it here. But they've made the decision to, with the help of some of their other patrons, try and dive into this connection that the character has with the Raven Queen, kind of this psychic connection to see if they can determine whether she's are her motivations good evil or like where she's sitting on this whole thing because she's sort of an unknown at this point Mm -hmm. now my players know 
that one of the things the, the, the Raven Queen does is basically collect memories. You know, that, that's kind of the one of her, one of her big things. Um, their characters don't know that because they don't know nothing about it. But as players, they've chosen to, to do it like an inception deep dive into this, this Raven Queen psyche through this connection that they have. To try and figure out, hey, is she she going to be there for us, or is she leading us astray? Like, has she got evil intent, or what's going on here? And we're in the middle of doing that, where they're they're looking back into this one player's sort of backstory and history a little bit. That's just kind of where we left off because there's some stuff she doesn't really know, and she's trying to understand this Raven Queen connection. And I'm going to have, I think, the Raven Queen sort of latch on and pull them all in and start exploring their individual memories, but the, the shared memories leading up until now. So this, this okay. examination of memories is going to get flipped. So it'll now be the, the Raven Queen evaluating them, and we'll get a chance to just, in summary, relive some of the arcs and understand basically i just want to in context in character say okay you know you're, you're having visions of this shit that we did and it's basically like our our first arc and then give the characters a chance to or the players a chance to talk about what was important what do you remember about that right how does your I character see. feel about it so, so you're still doing a summary you're just doing it in character in character yeah yeah that's a neat way to do it yeah, now I wouldn't spring it on them, like cold, which is why I asked them to kind of just, hey, make some point form notes about some of the stuff that's happened that's been important. And uh, we'll talk about it before we, we jump back into our new session. Yeah, I think that's a pretty sweet way to do it. Anytime that you can do something uh, sort of in character, I think it, it has more impact. Than... Yeah, because realistically, like we've been through so much that I don't think we're going to get into new stuff in our first session. Like, I think, honestly, it's going to be three hours of recapping stuff. And if we're going to spend that much time on it, I think it needs to be in character. It, yeah. It so needs that to we have, can be engaged. Yeah, it needs to be in-game at that point. Yeah. If it's a lot of times, like when, when I've taken a, a hiatus in most things, it's because we've wrapped things up to a point where uh, you know, the, the summary of things can be, all right, well, you defeated Strahd, um, you know, and you kicked the crap out of Tiamat, um, and then you went into Avernus and you, and you, you know, killed the, you know, the Archdevil or whatever. And now you're back at the inn and uh, reminiscing, reminiscing about previous adventures. What's next, right? Yeah. Like that's, that's the level of, of, because and where like, we've, you're in the middle of stuff. Yeah, like we're, if we're going to use Strahd, because I think everybody kind of knows it, um, it would be like if we took our hiatus after doing Amber Temple. Yeah. Like we've, we've just finished a pretty significant mini-climax or mid-campaign climax. Yep. And there's some very obvious big things that we know we need to take care of next. But we've had some nice character shit happen in here, and then we, we, we stopped, and it's, it's been a while. Yeah, I don't. There's, there's. I mean, just thinking on it, because now that you've brought that up, like I really like what you're doing. Um, I'm not sure most of the groups that I've uh, I've played with could could handle a three hour recap session. Mm -hmm. 
Well, know. and it, it needs to, and that's why I, I want to emphasize that, like, I want to give them a chance to really role play this out. Yes. No, and it it makes sense because you're going to be looking at it and you're going to be re-examining it from a different perspective, and I think that that works. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just I'm thinking about like what, how else could you do it? Because that's a really good way to do it. Um, and I was just thinking that it might, like, it might be possible to do it in in sort of chunks. Mm-hmm. Where you do like, hey, here's a recap of of stuff, and we're going to talk about that for a bit, and then we're going to have like a little altercation. Like for example, the uh, the stereotypical, you know, you're all in the tavern, reminiscing about previous adventures, and we go over this, and we, you know, like the characters are talking to each other and, and to telling the story to a stranger, or you know, uh, in that context, I think the trope that I would use would probably be like, you know, there's a bard who's really interested and he's like, he's making notes. He's Mm -hmm. feverishly scribbling down your story as you go, you know, and then at some point after like 45 minutes or an hour of that, you know, like a brawl breaks out and there's an adventure hook. Right. So you're, you're basically talking about, um, the name of the wind. Kind of, kind of a little bit. Yeah. It's it's similar, similar kind of a trope, but then, but then you, you move on. Right. Like it's like, okay, you, you chase the thing out into the night and now this is a new adventure and you're on that, but now the bard is following you around. And every time that you get a moment of downtime, uh, they're going over other stuff that you've done Mm -hmm. to try and, uh, like pull out things that might be part of the adventure. I don't know. There's probably a million ways to do it. And to be honest, I I haven't thought about it a lot. Mm -hmm. So thinking about it now. So one more question before we start talking about your game. This is a I don't know, boundaries question, I guess, between DM and player. Mm. And this specifically has to do with the Raving Queen stuff. As a DM, it's perfectly fine. Like it's by definition the game to throw new things that will change characters' motivations and goals and how they feel, right? Like, new story happens. That is the game. How do you feel about doing something that might alter, either temporarily or, or permanently, the character that they brought to the table to start with? And I know you kind of got into this a little bit with what was going on with Dulcimer. The example offhand here is stealing a memory forcing a player or a character to forget something now if it's something like you know you forget what grapes taste like it's completely trivial and consequential this would be a thing that i would have them roll for like it'd probably be the result of a like a wisdom save or something like that but let's say i have a character who's Parents were killed. We'll give them the Batman origin story. That's that's pretty common, right? What if Bruce Wayne forgot about something to do with the death of his parents that that lessened the feelings? Would you, as a DM, <sighs> like... I wouldn't spring that on a character. Yeah. I, I would definitely, I would have a discussion with the player ahead of time to say, like, look... This is something that I think is important to the story and I want to do it, uh, but I don't want to spring it on you. Uh, 
because if it is something that is important to how they see and here's here's the reason why first of all cuz or most of all because the like as the dm yeah you could do that you could say hey you forget who you are you're a thief mm-hmm. now chances are they're going to get up and walk away from the table yeah but you you could do that um I think though that it's important to recognize, and we've talked about it before, that it's mm-hmm. a game, right? It's supposed to be fun for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and any time that any person at the table is taking away fun from other players, I think at that point you it has to be like, is it is it worth it, right? If it if it's if it's mm-hmm. part of the story, if it's an integral part of the story, then I'm sure that they'll understand. Um, or if it's something that I don't know, like in the in the context of the Raven Queen, who I don't know very well, but imagining this kind of a, a godlike uh, concept, it would be, you know, like memories are what feed my power and my power is what I give to you in order for you to be the champion. If it was, I'm taking this memory in order to give you this power, in that context, I think it probably works out a little better. If it's, I'm taking this memory because I feel the need to punish you somehow, Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I had, for example, uh, I had, um, and I, I don't remember his name. I don't know if you were there with, uh, I had a, a table of like eight players when we were still working at stream. And one of them was a, a kid named Stu. Oh yeah. Disco Stu. I, Disco I, Stu. I introduced him to you. Yeah. I, th- I, think. I think you did. Yeah. Um, and Stu was a great player. I wish, I wish I could get in contact with him again. Cause I don't remember his last name. Um, but he was a great uh, player. Matheson? Possible. Um, I think. But anyway, he, he brought a monk to the table. It was a half-orc monk. And he was he was an experienced player at a table of people who were mostly new. Mm-hmm. Right? So, so he had optimized his character to a degree where he was outshining everybody. Right? Um, so he intentionally did some very foolish things in the context of the game. Right, that he knew were going to injure his his character, um, and at some point he reached into somewhere and lost a hand. So now he's a one armed monk, right? Which basically takes away uh, like multi attack, kind of. It doesn't like rules as written, mm-hmm. but you know, like I I, t- I think I took him aside and talked to him about it. I may have talked to him about it at the table just to say like like Hey man, <laughs> like. You know, you're doing 50 de- uh, damage per round, and most other people are doing six or seven, right? Like we need we need to sort of find a way to make this fun for everybody. Yeah. Right. You, you still like you're a monk. Yeah. You still are going to do a little bit more than other people. It's fine. We need to, to slow it down a little bit. So I mean, in the context of that, it it worked out, and he's still like I mean, most of for me, most of the fun that comes from that kind of stuff is the role-playing things as opposed to the mechanical things. So mm-hmm. if if you're fiddling with mechanical things and it's fun, great. If you're fiddling with stuff that isn't mechanical and it's taking away fun, then it becomes a problem. Mm-hmm. That that for me, I guess, is, is kind of where the line falls. Is like, is this going to increase or decrease the fun that the player is having at the table? And... So the fact that I'm talking about this means that I'm I'm really not on one side or the other. I wouldn't spring this in a vacuum on characters. Or at least if I were going to do it, 
I would limit it to the silly, trivial shit. Yeah. You know, you, you forget your name or, yeah. you know, you, you forget, you know, what, what, what meat tastes like or something silly like that. that you can just have a goofy role play thing around it. Yeah. You've forgotten the name of your first pet. Yeah. You know, or, or whatever, something that, that would not have a mechanical impact and would not significantly impact the character. You have forgotten how to drink out of a glass. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or temporarily speaking, you've forgotten a specific language. You forget how to speak common. You've only got other languages now. You know, just something silly if it was going to be a temporary thing. But here's the situation I find myself in. And it's kind of a meta thing. My players know about the Raven Queen. And as players, they've made the decision to dive into her mind. Oh. Right? Like now, the antagoni characters... Antagonistically? No, no. Because from a character perspective, this, this Raven Queen is a mystery to them. They've heard some stories, but like, you know, they get the sense that she's... Not evil, not good, but they're trying to figure it out. And they've decided, yeah. you know what, with the help of one of our other patrons, let's, we've got this psychic link with this patron, this Raven Queen, going right now. Let's see if we can follow that back in and, 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 and measure this entity to, to see what it's all about. Let's get a better feel for what its motivations are through this psychic link. So... Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing the way it's playing out, and I love the direction of it, but now I'm at a position where I know what they know as players, the meta aspect of it that their characters don't know. Mm -hmm. And I want to create a, a sort of sense of, of, of risk in doing it, consequences of stuff that could potentially go sideways here. Now, you know, talking about the Raven Queen literally, the stuff that them as players would know the stealing of memories is something that could happen. So while I haven't had that conversation with them, there's, there's sort of an implied, like, they know this could go sideways somehow related to this. I don't want to force, like, I'm not, oh, you, you all forget shit. But what I'm thinking is, depending on what they do while they're, they're diving in here and, and, and this Raven Queen reacts and starts drawing memories out of them to help basically facilitate this recap that I want to do. And it would be sort of appropriate just in character for this to happen anyways. If they try to resist that happening, I'm going to, going to make them do a wisdom save. Hmm? I'm asking them to roll dice. A one is a possible outcome. Oh, okay. I see. You know, so uh, like, you know, if, if they roll higher than eight, like I'm going to make them, you know, forget what their favorite drink tastes like. But if, if they roll a one, I have to be prepared to make that matter. Yeah. So Batman forgetting that his parents were murdered would um, be, be sort of appropriate parallel in my mind. Something well, that is more yeah, significant. Significant. Yeah. I would say, though, that here's a, here's the problem with with Batman forgetting that his parents were murdered. Batman is no longer bat. I mean, Batman is an asshole. That's it. That's a, that's a, uh, a subject for another mm -hmm. podcast. Um, 
But Batman forgetting that his parents were murdered changes who Batman is. Like it completely changes him. Right. But it, it doesn't, but, like it wouldn't retroactively change everything he's done up to this point. He would have no. a recollection of everything around it. But what it would do is remove sort of the emotional impact that that has had for 20, 30 years for Bruce well, Wayne. It depends. Now. It depends, though, on whether or not you're saying he doesn't remember that his parents were murdered at all. Versus, for example, because in the in well, the canon of of his of that event, he remembers he remembers what the Joker said. He remembers the sound of the gun. He remembers like everything mm-hmm. leading up to it and away from it. If you take all of the details away, and all he remembers is my parents were murdered, and I've I because he knows now, like he knows now that the Joker did it. Right? Imagine that he forgot who did it. Yeah. He forgot all of the details around it. He only knows that his parents were murdered, right? But it, I mean, it, you know, like you you make make Batman forget that his parents are murdered, and and you know, Robin or or, or Alfred is just going to say, "What do you mean you don't know what happened? Your parents were murdered." So he'll 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 be reminded of that, but the emotional weight of it would be missing. It still you know? changes who he is now, and that's the question, mm-hmm. I guess, is when. It depends on how they're approaching the interaction with the Raven Queen. Is mm-hmm. is is her her? I assume that the Raven Queen is a woman. Um, mm-hmm. Is she? Uh, she was. Okay, so At one point in time. So they when you've, you've when you've been elevated to quasi divinity, I'm not sure that matters anymore. I think it does if you consider that Mistra seduced Gale. Um, anyway, not important. It depends on how they approach the Raven Queen. If, if they come at it, like, we're going to, we want to know who you are, who does number two work for, then yeah, take, take away the, the memory of, of that and the emotional impact mm-hmm. of it, because it's going to change them. And that's a punishment. If they come at it, like, we're uncertain of you and, you know, we want <laughs> to work with you, but like, you gotta, gotta give us a little something here. Then I think taking away some of the details and, and taking away because taking away the the immediate memory of your parents being murdered, I think, would take away uh, some of the sharpness of the pain without removing the fact that you've lost your parents. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's it's a question of of degree and sort of subtle distinctions between how much of what memories are gone, mm-hmm. or maybe like if it, if it's just okay the raven queen is stealing your memories because that's what the raven queen does and is trying to be benevolent about it you know they would take away the memory of the feelings at the time mm-hmm. right so you remember it but it doesn't have the same impact on you as it yeah. did so i mean i don't i don't think that it's necessarily a problem like i say i think you probably uh I would be open to negotiations for retconning some of it if I did something that the character mm-hmm. went, well, this this completely changes my motivations and now I'm not sure what to do and I don't think I like mm-hmm. my character anymore. Mm-hmm. And like, I think... On a one, on a nat one... That's 5%, don't forget. Mm-hmm. Those, are not, those are not really long odds. No, they're not long. But again, it is not my intention to do this. 
Uh, I'm not going to make them roll dice if they're just going with the flow, but if they if they want to okay. find themselves in a, a I don't want to say a contest of wills with a deity here, but you know something if akin to that. If they if push or whatever, yeah. yeah, then you know when you when you when you fuck around and find out. Yeah, okay. I just I need to be prepared, and I'm 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 on the fence about this specifically because I think this would be the most appropriate outcome. But I recognize that this is falling in that gray area of boundary between what a DM should and shouldn't do in a vacuum with no context. I shouldn't do this. It's not appropriate for a DM to say this aspect of your character that you created and brought to my table before session one. I'm changing that now after session 70. I am altering the deal. Pray. Pray that altered. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but but in the context of all the things that they as players know and the decisions that they've made, like they're in the, well, what if we fuck around a little? Yeah. You know, even though their characters don't realize they're doing that, they, they as players do. So I just, the outcome is most likely going to be the trivial silly shit. There's an 80% chance if they fuck around and a like 2% chance if they don't, right? Like if they don't fuck around, then just, I'm not even going to make them roll for it. But if they do, I, I, I have to give this some sort of stakes and, and the stealing a memory thing is appropriate. I just recognize that it is, it is a, a, a borderline taboo that I think my players would be okay with but i'd like to talk i'm going to talk about it out loud here i think i might actually give give the players the choice if they roll a one or or very very low i'm going to set like this is the kind of weight the memory that you're going to lose has you choose what you want this memory to be that i think is appropriate yeah you know this should be something like forgetting that you have a sister or this should be something like you know yeah i've had a nightmare like that have i told you about that yep. i i I had a nightmare that you know like i walked in my front door and literally cindy didn't remember who i was this isn't where i live she's not my wife the the you know like everywhere that i go it's like i remember this is how the world was very much a it's a wonderful life situation mm-hmm. where it's like i don't exist here and it's man i woke up sweating and just like that's frightening yeah i've had some similar sort of nightmares you know i, I mean there's a lot of i think every star trek series has done an episode or two that's basically that yeah it's always fun yeah, it's a fun idea. I would not want to experience it. All right. Well, hey, we've been more than an hour, so I think I'm going to save Ian's pod bag question for the next segment uh, and get into some parting gifts. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. So this is a weird one for me. And it's pure happenstance that I even know about this. Now, I'm a big hockey fan. 
There's some sports that I like, but I'm not a sports bro. And the recommendation I'm going to make at first blush looks like it should be something that sports bros are into. But this is like what a group of sports bros are doing on the side is the really niche thing. The YouTube channel is called Warehouse Games, and it is a, like a side channel by John Boy Media. John Boy Media, sort of a big kind of online creatory type thing around sports. They're huge in baseball. And what they've done is bought, I assume, a big warehouse. And they're running weird sports, silly sports, things like blitz ball and, and in this case, floorball. What is floorball? Uh, it's like floor hockey with weird rules with funky sticks uh, that have almost like a cross between a hockey stick and a lacrosse basket, like a, and like a wiffle ball type thing with okay. a ball. That's like a wiffle ball or I'm, I'm sure you've used the, um, the practice golf balls, the little plastic yep. ones with the holes in it, like a bigger version of that, like a, like a pickleball or a wiffle ball type thing. Okay. And it's a, a couple of the, the hockey Guys, podcasters, creators that I watch, uh, Steve Dangle podcast, Steve Dangle's YouTube channel, been watching that forever, got invited to participate in this, and that's how I stumbled across it. And it is honestly some of the funniest shit that I've seen in forever. <laughs> Imagine a cross between, um, obviously, real sports, because they're playing real sports, uh, the general attitude of the the dodgeball movie, um, American Gladiators. Did you ever see? I think it was on Spike TV originally. The MXC. It was they took uh, a Japanese show from like the eighties, uh, Takeshi's Castle, oh, and then I've... dubbed over it with just funny shit, like bad lip reading style. I vaguely remember it. Yeah. It's got the vibe of that. What's interesting about this is like they're playing a, you know, a silly game, floorball, in this arena, but they're doing it straight, but with that kind of attitude. Like everybody's taking it seriously. They've got silly uniforms. They've got like the production value of this thing is, is as good as a lot of like B-level sports like that you would see on ESPN. Like this is very much like made for the Ocho you know, ESPN8 kind of, like, thing. Mm -hmm. It's silly in the way that, like, if you ever watched darts? Yes. How into it the crowd is and, like, just the, the weird sort of, like, attitude that's sort of built up around the sport where these, these darts players are rock stars and they got weird hair and, you know, they've got more <laughs> sponsors on their shirts than a friggin' NASCAR driver. And it's just, it's straight, but everybody knows it's a joke. Mm -hmm. This is very much like it. Now, I haven't watched a lot of the other uh, warehouse game stuff. I've really only been watching the, the floorball tournament, and it's not complete yet. But it is so fun. Warehouse Games YouTube channel by John Boy Media. Check out the floorball tournament that's currently on. Uh, finals haven't aired yet. Uh, go McFlurry Power. That's my parting gift. <laughs> Sounds like fun. Well, hey, let's take a break. I'm going to try and wrangle up something better to drink here. Let's do it again.
Yes. Hopefully this works. Hopefully.